Happy 38th birthday. And I hear it's your second anniversary wedding. I hear you've been working really hard as a defense attorney and your birthday is here. Happy birthday. We celebrate you today. Hope your birthday is booming. Tanner Hoops in studio with you. Glad to have you here for another episode of the Sports Pen on ESPN. UP. We are going to have a few guests join us here later on. Scott Sergilo, Westwood High School track and field head coach, plus Phil Eston, the athletic director at the University of St. Thomas. Some big news for the Tommies, meaning they got kicked out of their conference yesterday. I'm going to get it straight from the Tommy AD. He's going to let us know what the situation is, what could be in store for the Tommies. He's going to come on in about half an hour, surge in 15 minutes. For now, you're stuck with me, and I'm thankful for it because we have a lot to be getting to over the course of the next hour besides the aforementioned Tommy interview and Scott Sergila breaking down track and field. We've got baseball, including an update from the Big Ten tournament. Michigan fans are going to be happy. We have got basketball. No scores to recap from last night. This is the first time in maybe two months that that's happened. We don't have hockey until Monday. We got basketball coming up tonight, so we only get to speculate on what happens this evening. And we'll start right there with Milwaukee and Toronto. Game five at the Pfizer Forum. The Bucks looking to take command once again. Series is tied 2-2. By the way, you can hear it here on ESPN-UP. Pre-game coverage will begin at 8. Tip-off set for 8.30. If you don't have that ESPN-UP app yet, get it now. Go to the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just search up ESPN-UP. You can hear the game tonight by using the app. Probably some of you are doing that to hear this show right now. Or maybe it's a few hours later and you're listening on demand with the ESPN UP app. You can do all kinds of things with it. You need to get this app. It's life-changing. But I tell you what, the Bucks are trying to avoid losing three straight for the first time this season. They've only lost back-to-back twice, one of them a couple of nights ago in Toronto. And I tell you what, I didn't see that one coming. I really didn't. I didn't think that Toronto was going to win by 18 points in their home floor. Now, I don't know if Drake was getting in their head. I don't know if Kawhi Leonard was getting in Giannis's head. But either way, they're going to be back home in Milwaukee tonight. They're going to be at the Pfizer Forum, familiar surroundings where they played really, really well. Bucks are going to be just fine. I don't know what games they're going to win this series. I do know they're going to win the series. Because to lose the series, the Bucks would end up having to lose twice in the final three games of this series. I just don't see that happening. This Bucks team is too good. Toronto's a good team. Bucks fans, don't hit the panic button yet. Toronto's a good team. You knew that they'd get a few in this series. You're back home tonight. You're in familiar territory. If you lose tonight, hit the panic button. Just slam the panic button. But until that happens, no worries. You're good. Vegas agrees. Vegas has Milwaukee winning tonight, taking a 3-2 series lead. They'll go back to Toronto for Game 6, and there you're really going to get some Drake antics. Mike Budenholzer wasn't happy with Drake, especially the way that he was able to roam the sidelines, just going courtside in front of the scores table like nobody's business. I don't know how much he's on the court. It sounds like you guys are saying more than I realize. There's certainly no place for fans and, you know, whatever it is exactly that, that Drake is for the Toronto Raptors to be on the court. There's boundaries and lines for a reason, and the league is, is usually pretty good about being on top of stuff like that. We can get Christian Yelich to come over here and swing the bat as they go to their Audio from a Mike Budenholzer conference call when asked about Drake strolling the floor in Game 4 up in Toronto. Yeah, get Christian Yelich out there for Game 5. Get Aaron Rodgers out there. Get your own team of celebrities to roam the floor. The Knicks have Spike Lee. The Celtics have Mark Wahlberg. The Spurs have Selena Gomez. Everybody's got their own super fan. 
But you know what? With all the storylines surrounding the Eastern Conference Finals Game 5 tonight, I want to go out west. I want to turn my attention out to the Western Conference, more specifically to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is being linked to the Los Angeles Clippers lately. That's where I thought he should have gone from the beginning. He should go to the Clippers. Kawhi should probably join him. They form the next dynasty, and they take L.A. right out from under LeBron. Although Kawhi was just offered a penthouse suite if he stays in Toronto, which would be a great fit for him. Can't go wrong. L.A. Clippers, Toronto Raptors for Kawhi Leonard. Both are great options for him. So here's the deal. Here's what I think about KD. I think he's got to be the first domino to move this offseason. He's got to be the first major piece to get all the other major pieces going. Kevin Durant has also been linked to the New York Knicks. I don't think he's going to do it. I really don't think he's going to go to New York. Part of it is because KD is a businessman. Along with his basketball career, he's got a business career. New York's not a great place to start a business right now. Regulations and federal policies out there, it's not a place where you want to go start a business. In fact, businesses are fleeing from them. The skirmish between Jeff Bezos and a certain congresswoman out there. I don't think KD is going to go to New York because it's not going to give him the chance to flourish as a businessman. He'd be smart to stay in California, a la with the Clippers. Doesn't have to move his businesses, keep him right there, continue to make a good profit. That is the biggest reason why I don't think Kevin Durant is going to the Knicks. And if Kevin Durant doesn't go to the Knicks, Kyrie Irving's not going to the Knicks. Because if Kyrie Irving leaves right now, and he ends up being the alpha for New York, you think he's going to be any happier? He was the alpha for Boston. They were an above-average team, finished 16 over 500 to end the regular season, made the second round of the playoffs. But ultimately, it was a disappointing season. You think that he could go to New York and be happier than he was in Boston? It's not going to happen. He's still not going to be a successful alpha. He's going to have even less around him, and he's going to win fewer ballgames. If Kevin Durant does go there and Kyrie joins him, then they could be pretty good. But if Kevin Durant doesn't go, what's the point? It'd be the same role he has in Boston, but with less talent around him. As for Kawhi Leonard, he's got a good thing going in Toronto right now. He's not going to leave and take off for another team if he doesn't have any guarantee that somebody's not going to join him. I love Kevin Durant doesn't join the Clippers first. Why would Kawhi Leonard? He's already got a good thing going in Toronto, a team that just made at least the conference finals. He can go out west, play in a tougher conference, still be the top guy on that team. But without anybody else, you have a significantly less chance of winning a championship. So nobody moves until Kevin Durant moves. Here's what I don't get. Here's what I would like to see happen, but I don't understand why nobody's talking about it. Three years ago, Kevin Durant's choice came down to Golden State or Boston. He picked Golden State back in 2016, got a lot of criticism for it. Do you think if he had that decision over again, based on what has happened to his legacy, a lot of rings, albeit people say there's an asterisk next to him because of the teammates that he has, do you think he'd like a do-over? If he could do it again, do you think he would pick Boston over Golden State? What if he picked Boston now? Boston needs an alpha. It's not Kyrie Irving. He's a 1B. He's not a 1A. Kevin Durant. Now that's a 1A. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. Wouldn't cost you anything but cash. Instead of trading away your young core, a promising young core that could include all of or some Brown, Tatum, Smart, Rozier, trading all that away for a guy in Anthony Davis who would be coming on a one-year contract and may not re-sign after that, why not open up some cap space, whether that means getting rid of Kyrie's contract or not, and bring in Kevin Durant, a guy you can sign for the long term, arguably the best player in the world, some would say top two, some would say top five to ever play the game. 
Think about what that would do for his legacy. The Boston Celtics are one of the most iconic franchises in all of sports, not just basketball. If he's able to make them NBA title town again, it just might cement his legacy as the greatest NBA player of the modern era. I tell you what, while we're on the subject, before we move on, the all-NBA teams were released a couple of hours ago. Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden headlined the 2018-2019 All-NBA First Team. Steph Curry actually got more votes than Paul George, and rounding out the NBA First Team, his first selection to All-NBA, Nikola Jokic. So the first team, Giannis, Harden, Curry, PG-13, and Nikola Jokic. Second team, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, and Kyrie Irving. Third team, Russell Westbrook, Blake Griffin, LeBron, Rudy Gobert, and Kemba Walker. I tell you what, before we get to the break and we get to our first guest, I want to go over to Big Ten Baseball because the Big Ten Baseball Tournament happening now at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. Yesterday, it was basically opposite day, all four lower seeds in the eight-team tournament won on day one of the tournament, sending the top four seeds into the elimination bracket. We have our first team knocked out of the tournament that happened this morning as the Michigan Wolverines walked off Illinois 5-4. to This is a Wolverine team that entered the tournament 38-16, and yet they were projected as the last team into the tournament in the field of 64. While the record's impressive, strength of schedule has not been. Michigan doesn't have those quad one wins that the tournament committee was looking for. Upset yesterday 2-1 to by Ohio State. In fact, there were one hit in that ballgame. Michigan, the team that led the Big Ten in batting average in the regular season, was held to just one hit. Today, they rallied to take a brief lead with a three-run seventh inning before giving it back up, but a two-run double in the ninth ends up walking off the Illini. So Illinois, the third seed in the tournament, is the first team eliminated. If Michigan would have lost that game, they would have been a two-and-out in their conference tournament. They would hope for an at-large bid at 38-18 with a strength of schedule that's way down. They probably wouldn't make it. They need at least one. They have it. Now they probably need one more to make sure they get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. They will take on the winner of the second elimination game happening now between top-seeded Indiana and fourth-seeded Minnesota. Tell you what, a win over a team like Indiana all but guarantees Michigan a spot in the NCAA tournament. With that, let me give you your stat of the day. Yesterday was the first time since 2005 that all higher seeds went winless in their Big Ten tournament opener. First time since 05 it happened. By the way, the eighth seed at the Big Ten tournament, 5-9 and nine all time. All five wins belong to the Iowa Hawkeyes, who did so again yesterday, upsetting top-seeded Indiana. In fact, the Hawks were the eighth seed three years ago when they made it to the tournament final. Still to come on the show, we've got an interview with Phil Esten, Athletic Director at the University of St. Thomas. His school was forced out of their conference yesterday, and the Tommies are looking for a new home. You'll get the details coming up, plus I've got some audio that you're not going to want to miss toward the back end of the show, and if you know Oliver Luck, tell him to listen. I know how he can increase his league's odds of survival. All that more is going to come up here in the next hour. When we come back, you're going to hear Scott Sergela, head track and field coach at Westwood High School. His team rolling as they get set for the UP Finals. That and more next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Hey, it's Will Kane. Tune into the Sports Pen with Tanner Hoops. Weekdays at 4 on ESPN-UP. 
WZAM, Isthming Market. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Phil Esten, Athletic Director at the University of St. Thomas, will join me in about 15 minutes. But for now, let's take a look at high school track. I'm joined by Westwood head coach Scott Sergula. His team having all kinds of success lately, conference champs, county champs, and regional champs. Coach, congratulations on all your success. Tell me about your season up to this point. Uh, thank you. That's a tribute to our, our kids. We got great kids. We got hardworking kids, and we got um, uh, some great coaches. That uh, you know, with 17 events, you gotta you know get all those events coached up, and um, we went to be able to have the success that we've had without uh, Coach Hill. You know, who's our girls' coach, but we kind of spread around the events. And um, Coach Carlson in our vault, our vault has absolutely been steady all year. And then Coach Hewitt uh, does. Um, our shot and disc, our throws, and uh, we've had a lot of success in all those areas. Well, Coach, let's start with the county meet. You were highlighted by Nathan Beckman. A strong day for him with four wins. He got the 100 title, 200, 4x4, four 4x8. Four, four Tell me about what he's done and what he's accomplished this season as an individual and what he's done for your program. Well, we knew he was going to be fast this year. He was fast last year. Uh, but, again, it's... it's uh, you know, the old adage, hard work pays. And Nathan has worked really hard uh, in the off offseason uh, to be a better athlete, to get faster, to be stronger, to be bigger. Um, you know, and he's, he's a young man out there running. And uh, he's actually faster than I thought he would be. I mean, I'm not knocking him or anything. We knew he was going to be fast, but I didn't know some of his times this year are really exceptional. And uh, uh, his leadership is uh, outstanding as well. And um, uh, he's been he's been a steady Eddie for us all year. Well, Coach Chad Pullman, Jack Bowes, a few of the names that I see won titles. Tell me about some of the other Patriot winners. Well, uh, you know, uh, one yeah, uh, was Blake Hewitt. Um, took a first in the shot. Him and, uh, you know, Logan Cruitt from Ishpeming have been battling back and forth. Uh, you know, the old typical Westwood Ishpeming rivalry, and, you know, it, it, it carries over in the track and field, too. And uh, um, he's lost to him all year and um, came out and won by, uh, I think, less than an inch yesterday. Uh, and, you know, is the Westpac um, shot put champion. And, uh, um, you know, Chad Pullman, um, boy, it, you know, he's he has really exceptional ability. Um, he runs like a deer. <laughs> he really does. And uh, we can put him just about anywhere. Um, you know, and then we have kids like uh, Jack Bowles, who's young. He's only a sophomore. And won the 300 hurdles yesterday. Had a personal record in him. Um, best at his time. And um, it was a pretty strong headwind, and it was pretty cold early on in the meet. Uh, but still ran an exceptional time in 110 hurdles and won those. Uh, you know, our vault yesterday, uh, they have been uh, kind of our bread and butter all year. That um, uh, It's hard to concentrate or to, to try to rely on those points sometimes in the vault. I'm a former vaulter myself, and, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days. And I tell you what, this year you can see that our kids have put in the time. They're really, really consistent. All of them are. And uh, but that's 
that's a tribute to Coach Carlson. Um, he spends uh, ungodly amounts of time with those kids. If the kid's willing to be there and work, uh, so is he. Uh, there's, there's nights where I'm closing up shop and heading home, and they're still out there uh, working on the vault. And, uh, but it pays off, you know. Uh, we got a second, a third, and a fifth yesterday, uh, and those are big points for us. And um, we were, you know, in uh, our distance. You know, we have young kids in our distance. Uh, but our 32 relay was able to take a third, and we were able to sneak a guy in the 800 and take a sixth. And, um, you know, our strength this year has been, uh, for the most part, our field events and, um, you know, and, of course, our sprints and our sprint relays. Well, Serge, due to the grueling schedule, you held a few guys out of the regular events at the county meet. Some strategy playing in there. Did it play out kind of the way you hoped it would? Yeah, you know, we and even yesterday we were without uh, a couple of guys. I held a couple of guys out just because, um, you, you know, it's it's kind of Rob Peter to pay Paul almost because if you do you run those kids and then do you risk getting them hurt worse and are they going to be able to recover by the UP finals and you know so I held Ashton Bergman out I held a couple of kids out on a couple of different events um you know but I gotta say this uh we changed things up a little bit um Hunter Perry uh is in and the got in and placed in the 100 the 200 we put him in the 800 relay uh for Chad Pullman and then moved Chad Pullman to the 1600 relay and, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably should have did that for the regional meet. Um, but, you know, you, you're still, with the shortened season and the bad weather this year, it was really, you know, uh, it, was, it was. It was tough to um, try to get kids, you know, see where they work best and things like that. But uh, Hunter Perry did an absolutely tremendous job. Got us huge, huge points in those events. Our 800 relay team still took first, and then, Putting Chad in the 1600 relay, um, we blew kind of the field out of the water. I think the next closest team was five or six seconds away. So, um, you know, it's nice when the plan works out like that, and then we tried a different plan in the regionals, and it didn't quite work out. Um, but you know, we were still able to get the victory in the regionals and and uh, and in the Westpac. And you know, Gladstone's a tough team. When we went against them in the MPCs, we knew that was going to be a battle between us, Ishpeming, and Gladstone. Uh, and Gladstone, you know, you got to tip their hats to them. They, they, they do. They have a really good track team, and uh, they're going to be really tough to beat the UPs. And um, I don't know if we can catch them, but we're, we're going to try. Yeah, Coach, with a dual conference membership, you had two conference meets, got second the MPC. You turn around, adjust, and you win the Westpac. What adjustments did you make after MPCs to be able to win the Westpac? Well, there's, there was more teams. There's a couple more teams. You know, we had 10 teams in that, and um, – it, uh, things, you know, I'll be honest, things really went our way yesterday. And uh, track is, you know, you could take a first one meet. Um, you know, if you, I'll give you an example. You look at Ishwaming, their distance core is so, so strong. And there were, when you go into a smaller meet, you know, uh, between the wind meet, Westwood, Ishwaming, and Nagani, um, we lost to them early on in the year. And it was only because, you know, uh, our team and, and uh, Nagani's team didn't have a lot of distance kids because Ishwaming is so strong to try and break up those points. Um, but as you get into bigger meets, you know, uh, you know, Ishwaming still did a tremendous job yesterday with their distance. 
um, you know, and scored a lot of points there. But Houghton was able to get in there a little bit and a Calumet kid and, you know, things like that. So when you break up those points a little bit, you know, it works out differently. And fortunately enough, we were still able to get our, you know, uh, our Chad Pullmans, our Nathan Beckmans, our Blake Hewitts, our Valters, our normal points that we score, our Jack Bowes, you know, things like that. And so that's, that's kind of how, how, it, how it went. So and if you go against Gladstone, where they are strong, we're strong. And so then it knocks our points down a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, that's how they got us in the NPCs. Gladstone has a, a, a really good track team. Talking with Scott Sergilo, Westwood track and field coach, his team winning the conference, county, and regional championships. Coach, you talked about guys like Nathan, like Chad. Nate wins co-MVP of the conference meet. Chad wins sprinter, hurdler of the meet. Were these things they knew they could accomplish heading into this season, or was it something they thought they could? Well, Nathan being a senior, he knew he was fast. I mean, he, you know, he placed in the 100 and 200 last year and was in our sprint relays. And um, I, I'm just really su- pleasantly surprised by how fast he has gotten uh, and how fast our relays are. I mean, we're literally tenths of a second away from our 400 and 800 relay record teams, and um, we just haven't had the weather to really go out and, and give a, a true shot at it. And uh, uh, I'm hoping for great weather uh, at the UP finals so that uh, you know our kids get a chance to go out and perform to the best of their ability. Um, you know, and Chad Bowman's involved in those those relays as well and uh we made a little bit of a change i you know we used to have Coleman just in the relays in the 16 relay um but to try to qualify more kids and score some more points we actually took him out of some of the relays and uh we he now runs the open one two and four and um he's uh he's gotten us a solid second or third every single meet behind you know, Nathan and sometimes the, the Duchesne kid from Nagani, and uh, he's right there. And, um, you know, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think Chad quite knows how good he could be and how good he is now. Um, he, he's somebody that, that uh, has a lot of potential when it comes to track and field. He's a, he's a really good athlete. He really is. And, um, it, uh, you know, the award that he got yesterday is, absolutely most deserving and um did a great job for us they've been steady all year and um you know jack bow is being only a sophomore that's hard the hurdles are hard when you're young and uh uh it takes it takes a lot of time and your steps got to be on and um if you got to run an exact race to uh be successful and uh he did a great job yesterday well, Coach, now your team looks ahead to June 1st in the UP Finals. Tell me what the next nine days or so are going to look like for your team from a preparation standpoint. Well, we're going to, we're gonna you know, kind of we, we do recovery days after meets. And, um, you know, we do our, uh, it's, a, it's just a, it's a recovery workout that we do. Um, and then uh, we'll bring the kids in over the weekend and do a speed workout and try, try to get one in on Friday. Uh, you know, we try to get one more in maybe by by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, and, um, and you know, and then you start tapering. Um, based on what I saw yesterday, uh, our kids, you know, we got we got to sharpen a couple things up. You know, uh, everybody, you know, they want to you know sharpen up their hurdle form or their starts or their high jump and you know things like that. Um, but we're I think we're peaking at the right time. I hope we are. It seems like we are. 
Uh, times kind of showed that yesterday too. So, you know, we'll start tapering down on Wednesday a little bit. And, you know, we always have a team cookout at the end of the year. And uh, that's kind of our banquet. And, you know, we'll get together and, and um, kind of celebrate, uh, you know, our successful season and, and um, you know, celebrate the kids. And, you know, the kids like it and the coaches like it and, and uh, kind of wind down the year. But then uh, got to get our game faces on because we're, we're in for a heck of a challenge. It's, you know, we have a actually a young team. I mean, you know, you do have, you know, Nathan, Sam, uh, Gillis, and Blake who are, you know, they score in the shot and, shot and disc. And then Nathan obviously scores in, in the sprints. Um, but the rest of our team is kind of, we're kind of junior, sophomore, freshman. Um, and those kids have really stepped up this year and, and gave us depth. And I think that's, you know, uh, part of our success. And uh, that's the great thing about track. I always say that it brings a lot of different kids from all walks of life together. But, you know, we're all patriots and we're all trying to uh, be successful at the same sports. And that's what makes track kind of special. Coach, what goals or challenges are you laying out before your team as you get set for the UP finals? Well, we're, we're going to go in and, you know, I, I, it's going to be a really tough road uh, to try and get Gladstone. But, uh, you know, and it might even be a tough road to get Marquette. Um, they qualified a lot of kids in that um, other region. Uh, our region was uh, more competitive, so to speak. It was, and I don't mean that there were better kids. I just mean that there was the scoring was closer. Uh, if you look at the other region, um, Gladstone kind of ran away with it. Marquette was somewhat of a second, and then it was kind of a big gap from the rest of the field. And you know, we only beat the second place team by 20 points and then it was all close well within you know 10 15 points the rest of the way so uh somewhat more evenly matched in that field but, uh, so we're gonna have a tough road it um you know i just I, I want our kids to perform i thought yesterday um we a lot of it came together track me to a little bit of a roller coaster sometime where you're going to have great performances and then you know you come down and you know uh, maybe another kid from another school performed really well and kind of beat your kid that you thought was going to take a second, but they took a fifth. And so we're trying to figure it out as you go. And um, I thought yesterday was the absolute most steady that we've been uh, all year and consistent across the board. Scott Sergela is the head track and field coach at Westwood High School. They prep for the UP final Saturday, June 1st. Serge, always good talking to you. Appreciate the time. Congrats again on all your accomplishments and all the best on Saturday. Thanks a lot, Tanner. Appreciate it. Have a great day. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, Phil Esten, University of St. Thomas Athletic Director, joins me next to talk about the Myex decision to kick his school out. That's coming up in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for being with me on your Thursday afternoon. Phil Eston, Athletic Director at St. Thomas University in St. Paul, is going to join us in just a moment. But first, here's your Sports Center update. FIFA has abandoned plans to expand the 2022 World Cup to 48 teams, instead choosing to leave it at 32. The Ottawa Senators have hired DJ Smith as their new head coach. And finally, dueling with pistols is legal in Paraguay as long as both participants are blood donors. That is your Sports Center update. Glad to have you along with us once again. We welcome in Phil Esten, the athletic director at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Phil, really appreciate you taking the time. I know things have got to be hectic lately following yesterday's unfortunate decision by the Mayak. 
Yeah, Tanner, I, I appreciate that. It was, uh, you know, certainly something that was disappointing for us. Been a proud member of this league for uh, for almost 100 years. Uh, you know, we're really happy and, and proud of the success that we've had and, and have enjoyed good rivalries and uh, collegial relationships. But, you know, today we start looking forward. Well, Phil, I know this had been talked about, maybe even seriously considered for some time, but did the timing of this decision surprise you? You know, frankly, it, it really didn't. Um, as you mentioned, the, this has been in discussions uh, from what I understand, for a couple of years. I just started at the University of St. Thomas in January, and when I walked into it, uh, it was a discussion at that time. It certainly escalated over the last several months. Um, and, you know, as it escalated, our president, Julie Sullivan, and, and myself have um, spent some time with other presidents and athletic directors trying to learn what's at the core of the main concerns and is there, whether or not there was anything that we could do to help solidify our place in the, in the conference um, and as we went through those conversations, it was clear that this was an inevitable move, uh, that this was going to happen regardless of, of the efforts. And, and so um, it wasn't necessarily a, a surprise. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, as, as I said before, it's something that is disappointing to us. It's really a sad day, I think, for, for St. Thomas and, and for the conference uh, yesterday it, it was. Um, but I look at more as uh, the, the first day of what's next for us rather than the last day of, of our history with the Mayak. Oh, Phil, the rest of the Mayak presidents cited lack of competitive parity as the biggest reason why they wanted the Tommies out of the conference. Multiple reports say that other schools threatened to leave the Mayak if the Tommies didn't. Is that indeed what happened, to the best of your knowledge? You know, from what we understood, um, you know, there was consensus from the other, all of the other presidents that uh, the, the conference would cease to exist in its current form if, if St. Thomas stayed. And, um, you know, whether or not that ultimately was some kind of a vote on bylaw changes or that were other other schools uh, leaving the MIAC to form another conference or to join another conference. Um, you know, I'm not certain. I can't speculate exactly how that would have happened. But it was made clear to us that it was an inevitable that the conference would cease to exist in its current form if St. Thomas continued to be a member. Well, Phil, when referencing lack of competitive parity, a couple of football scores seem to keep popping up. The Tommies won a pair of games 84 nothing and 97 nothing last year, but this year your team actually finished behind two others in the conference standings. Why are other universities using old scores to get you out of the MIAC now? I, I think um, they're really looking at comprehensive competitive parity. And so when you look at uh, you know our, our position in the conference over the last several years, uh, as an example, in the last five years, we've won more than 50% of all of the conference championships. And so I think football is an easy one to, to, to target because it's it's one that a lot of people follow. Um, but it's certainly not the reason. There, there isn't any one sport or one game or, or set of games that, that led to this. It was a collective uh, competitive imbalance in, in the conference that really led to the decision. So you don't believe had those two particular scores not been so lopsided, this move would have been inevitable anyway? You know, I, I, I don't. From the conversations that I had with, um, you know, with others in the league, uh, this was something that was across the board. And, and um, you know, our, our track programs are very successful. Our softball program right now is playing in the College World Series. They're playing as we speak. Um, several of our programs compete at the very highest level. Our women's basketball program advanced to the fi Final Four this year, women's hockey, the Frozen Four, men's basketball, the Sweet 16, women's, or excuse me, men's ice hockey, uh, you know, placed in the in top four in the conference. And so just as some examples of some of the competitiveness that, that we have at St. Thomas. Is there a timetable for trying to track down a new conference, or have you had any communications with other organizations? Yeah, you know, we've got two years yet um, uh, to compete in the MIAC, and so by the end of uh, by the spring of 2021, we'll have to have transitioned into another conference, uh, and so now we'll begin really an assessment pro process, looking at 
what some of the variables are that we think are important to St. Thomas. Is there a league uh, that seems to fit what what is best for for us? And, you know, of course it's important to note that we need to be invited to another conference. We don't necessarily just get to select and join uh, another conference. And so once we identify what we might think the best fit is for us, we've got to work pretty hard to try to secure that invitation. And so that begins immediately, and we've got that two-year transition time to get that done. Is playing as an independent an option for you? Yeah, everything's on the table right now. I, you know, I, I think uh, whether or not we're an independent, um, join another conference, kind of look at reclassification. Is, is They're all options, and there are other options out there as well. You know, there, Some might be better options than others, and I think that's what this assessment process is for over the next several months. Talking with Phil Eston, the athletic director at St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. What about your perennial rivalry game with St. John's? Are there any plans to try and keep them on the schedule as non-conferences? That's, you know, that's a great question. We're, you know, that, that's a rivalry that we've really enjoyed. We've played that game 88 times, and you know, oftentimes that, that game helps to determine the, the conference championship. There's, there's other really strong football programs in our conference, but that's really been one that's um, it's gotten some national attention, and, and we enjoy that rivalry. We're playing St. John's this year, our, our home game over at Allianz Stadium in St. Paul, a 20,000-seat facility, which will sell out uh, for that particular game. We're excited to host them for that game. And, you know, into the future, we'll, we'd like to do what we can do to see if, if we can continue that rivalry, and I think it just determines where we land from a conference standpoint. Yeah, Phil, a lot of your conference opponents are right there within the Twin Cities. Is there any kind of economic uncertainty going forward regarding travel or what have you? Yeah, you know, one of the great things about the MIAC has been the geographic proximity of, um, you know, the teams. There, there are several institutions that, uh, you know, we share um, a lot of similarities with, uh, and, and that geographic proximity has really been um, an advantage for all of us in, in the conference as well. And so regardless of where we go next, that travel is going to look a little bit different. Uh, you know, it's something we spoke with our student-athletes about last night when we talked about this. And so that's that's one variable you take a look at from an expense standpoint. There might be other variables that you take a look at from an expense standpoint. You just have to make sure you're making a good decision while keeping the core purpose, the student-athlete experience, central to any decision that you make. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably end up um, having to travel a little bit further, but if that leads to really great experiences for our student-athletes, that might be the right thing to do. Is there any uncertainty regarding whether you may have to add or drop certain varsity sports in order to gain conference membership? Yeah, that's the, the sports that we support right now are really important to us and, and you know we'll do everything that we can and we want to find a way to keep those sports and you know whether that's um, everybody competing in the same conference or having to find affiliate memberships in another conference if that's what we have to do uh, we'll work hard to keep the sports that we have. Phil is there any truth to the rumors that St. Thomas is considering making the move up to Division Two? Yeah, you know, again, part of that assessment process, we'll, we'll be looking at all the options that are available to us, and, and I think that that may be one option that, that is available. Uh, you know, I, I think that St. Thomas may present uh, a couple of attributes that are attractive to other conferences as we try to secure an invitation, whether it's the location of our institution in a major media market, in a major metropolitan area with good business partnerships and, and presence in the Twin Cities, uh, the academic reputation of our institution, the impact that we've made on our students and on the community at large, and the excellence and success that we've had in athletics historically, I think are all uh, attributes, some of the attributes that could be attractive uh, uh, in helping to support our candidacy when we're looking at other conferences. And whether that's Division Three or Division Two, uh, you know, again, all those are on the table uh, as we go through the assessment process. Uh, Phil, you mentioned that last night you got together, you talked with the student-athletes about what may happen going forward. Tell me a little about that meeting, what was said. Hey, you know, it was important for us to make sure that student-athletes know that we care about them and that we're listening to what their concerns are and their comments might be as a result of this. 
you know, again, it didn't necessarily sneak up on anybody, as this has been reported in the media for the last several weeks, if not longer. Uh, but we wanted to give them an opportunity to share their feelings and ask any questions that they had and, and also make sure that they knew that St. Thomas isn't going to change who St. Thomas is simply because we're no longer playing in, in that particular conference. Uh, we'll continue to prioritize their student-athlete experience. We'll continue to prioritize creating conditions for success so that they can leave as the best versions of themselves. We know that our responsibility is to teach life lessons and prepare them for whatever's next through their particular sport and through intercollegiate athletics, and that's not going to change. St. Thomas is going to be St. Thomas regardless of the conference we're in. Uh, Phil, you've talked about how your athletes or coaches have handled this and what have you. Tell me about some ways that you're seeing your coaches and athletes react to the news. Sure. You know, our, our coaches, I think, uh, like like many and student athletes too, have really enjoyed our time in the Mayak. Um, we still have two years to compete in the Mayak, and we're looking forward to those. And so for them, there's a little emotion as well. It's, it's sad for them as, as it's sad for me. I was a student athlete here in the 90s. Uh, I'm a very proud St. Thomas alum. And so to you know to think that this is kind of ending a century year old tradition for this institution is kind of sad. But at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, they too are looking forward, and I, and I think that's really a, a neat characteristic of the coaches that we have and the student-athletes that we have, that they're ready for the challenge. Uh, they know that St. Thomas is a place that's going to support them in whatever their endeavors are, and we're all ready to do this together. There's a lot of alignment in looking forward and, and looking at what's next. Well, Phil, lastly, again, this won't take an effect until 2021. What are your goals as an athletic department for the last two years in the MIAC? You know, it's the same as they've always been. Uh, again, number one, to make sure that our student-athletes have a positive and meaningful experience and they, and they leave ready for whatever's next in their lives. And, you know, something else that we've talked about here is that our scope is definitely being competitive in the conference but also being competitive at the national level. And so as we go through the next couple of years in the MIAC, uh, we want to be great partners. We want to add value to the MIAC, uh, but also set our lens and our scope on really national, national success. And part of that process is being successful uh, in our conference uh, and then what happens after that, is, and from a national standpoint, is, is something that we'll, we'll really set as goals for the next couple of years and beyond. Phil Leston is the athletic director at St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Phil, really appreciate you taking the time. I'm rooting for you guys, wishing you all the best. Thanks, Tanner. Appreciate the time. Let's take a time out. When we come back, I hope the Luck family is listening. Andrew, because I've got some Andrew Luck audio, and Oliver, because I know how to increase the XFL's chances of surviving tenfold. One simple solution no one seems to want to touch on. I'll tell you what is next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP and the ESPN-UP app. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, it is available on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just search up ESPN-UP. A reminder tonight, we will have Bucks playoff basketball. Pre-game coverage begins at 8, tip-off set for 8.30. You can hear it here on the app as well. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you with us as we wind down to the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. I want the sun to come back. I haven't checked. I've been in the studio here for the last how long but the sun had been steadily disappearing since late in the morning. Well, I tell you what, if you listen to the Dan Lebetard show this afternoon, you probably already heard this audio. But just like Dan Lebetard, Stu Gotts and company, I love Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is one of the nicest, most pure, vanilla, just kind of square guys that you'll ever meet. And he's one of my favorite athletes for that reason. You just look at him, he looks like the guy that you want to hang out with. Like, I think Billy Gill on Lebetard said it best. He looks like the guy I want to go to a zoo with. 
How happy must Jack Doyle be? He gets to be best friends with Andrew Luck. If there's anybody who could compare to Andrew Luck as just being the nicest guy, the most square, vanilla, kind, likable guy, who'd you think of? Who comes to mind? Tom Hanks comes to mind for a lot of people. They just so happened to meet up in Indy. They were at an event together. They were signing autographs together, trying to take a picture, awkwardly posing. Here's the audio. You just tell me if this doesn't bring an immediate smile to your face. <laughs> you like living here? It's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. I love watching you play. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really, really yep. enjoy yep. so it. I appreciate how, it. How often have you suffered because okay. of your last so name? You, I'm guessing for the moment you said, what, Pop Warner football? It goes, it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. Here's a pen. Here's a pen. But... It's good. Right. Basically, in sports, you get made fun of for everything. Well, it doesn't matter what, what it is. You build skin like an armadillo, as an old coach used to will say. You, uh, will you study like the social media after the game? No, no. I stay off of social that, media. That is... I, I'm just a little too old for social media, the, I feel. The secret of getting into this world is to ignore anything they say about you. And I will do a handshake. A hand, are you into the hand? No. What is that? A handshake picture like oh, a yeah. coach's camp? <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> the caption will be, Andrew and Tom simulate shaking hands and meeting for the first time. One of God's greatest gifts to mankind is Andrew Luck Audio. Is it not just the gift that keeps on giving? I love Andrew Luck. He's one of my favorite athletes. Just the most square, vanilla, straight-up guy. He's the guy you can trust to be your best friend, to save your life. Too old for social media, though. He's 29. He's just like the most pure guy you're ever going to meet in pro sports. I just love him. His beard. This is the laugh of Stanford-educated Andrew Luck. <laughs> it's the perfect laugh for a guy who's laughing at his own joke about him being too old for social media, even though he hasn't even turned 30 yet. Can we hear it one more time? Like, do we have that audio again? Can, can we hear it one more? Let's hear it one more time. You like living here? It's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. I love watching you play. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really, really yep. enjoy yep. it. So you, I appreciate how, it. How often have you suffered because of your last name? You, I'm guessing for the moment you said, what, Pop Warner football? It goes, it goes both it ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. Here's a pen. Here's a pen. But it's good. Basically, in sports, you get made fun of for everything. It doesn't matter what, what it is. You build skin like an armadillo, as an old coach used to say. Will you study like the social media after the game? No, no. I stay off of social that, media. That is... I, I'm just a little too old for social media, the, I feel. The secret of getting into this world is to ignore anything they say about you. And I will do a handshake. A hand, are you into the hand? No. What is that? A handshake picture like oh, a yeah. coach's camp? <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> the caption will be, Andrew and Tom simulate shaking hands and meeting for the first time. Andrew Luck will never not be a national treasure, ladies and gentlemen. I tell you what, his father Oliver has started out on a new business endeavor. He is the commissioner of the XFL. The reboot, the Extreme Football League, set to debut next year. Yeah, I'd love to know what Oliver Luck is feeling right now. Is he discouraged after watching the Alliance of American Football fall apart? Is he encouraged after landing a major TV deal that includes multiple networks for the XFL? The Alliance of American Football did almost everything right. Almost everything right. There is one glaring mistake that they made. Well, if you want to call it a mistake, maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's just something that they failed to act on. An opportunity that they missed, they never recognized, that could have saved them. I'm going to get to that here in just a few moments. The XFL is doing a lot of things right here in the early going. 
They've got some recognizable names. They've got some great cities to build franchises in, cities that care about football. They have a fantastic TV deal. You thought maybe the Alliance had about as good of a deal as you could ask for for a league that size. Well, the XFL just took it up a notch. They get a hold of both ESPN and Fox. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at the AF. Let's dissect the Alliance before I tell you what the XFL could do. Maybe not even should do. What they could do. Women's professional basketball plays during the summer. The WNBA does not try and compete with the NBA because they know they're not going to win. Call me sexist if you want, that's a fact. The WNBA is just not going to get the same kind of credibility as the NBA. So they don't try to compete against it, they go opposite of them. The CFL, largely due to weather, plays during the summer. But doesn't hurt that the NFL plays during the fall and the winter. And the Alliance gave fans the option for spring football, which the XFL will do as well. That's the right move. That was a good move. Because nobody's going to watch something if there's a better product available. So that's why you do it opposite the NFL season. You do it while the NFL is off. Step two, you find a city that can support a major franchise. They've done that probably better than the Alliance has. The Alliance found some football-starved cities, including San Diego, who lost their NFL team. The biggest problem for them, though, is they did not have a market in the north. The XFL is more spread out throughout the country. That's the right move. I think they did this better than the Alliance did. The third step is you've got to differentiate yourself from the NFL. Go a little experimental with the rules, with gameplay. The AAF did that with two-point conversions. They forced you to go for two after a score. You couldn't kick it and get the one point. You had to go for two. It was cool. It was different. But it wasn't sexy enough. It wasn't something that the viewers couldn't live without. Maybe if they would have integrated that onside kick rule that NFL teams have been tossing around where you get to go for a 4th and 15 instead of trying onside kick once and only during the 4th quarter, maybe that could have helped. I tell you what, you can differentiate yourself from the NFL with gameplay, with rules, even with different cities, some different players. All in all, you're not going to have as good of a product as the NFL. But people are still going to watch it because they want to watch football in the offseason. In the end, what can you offer them that no other league can? That includes the NFL. Because playing in their offseason just so you don't have to compete for attention with them can only get you so far. It's like a group of high schools coming together, organizing a JV league in the spring, and saying play for a trophy. That's great, but it's still a watered-down version of what you're going to get in the fall. What is your hook? What is your niche? What can you offer that nobody else can? Until you can do something like that, you're always going to be second best. You're always going to be the B option. Oliver Luck can be successful by being the most anti-Roger Goodell he can. And that sounds obvious. A guy who only hears applause. The only time of the year he hears applause is after he announces a team's draft pick in the first round. For years, Roger Goodell has put player productivity above player health. And he's done so by outlawing the use of certain medical treatments. That includes prescription pills and cannabis. I'm not saying that it's right or even that it's moral. But if Oliver Luck wants to give his league a better chance of survival, he needs to be the anti-Roger Goodell when it comes to player medical care. That means allowing medical marijuana and prescription painkillers, something the NFL does not tolerate. Any major painkiller above like a Tylenol, the NFL calls a violation of the league's substance abuse policy. Marijuana is legal in 11 states, and that number's growing. 
But because it doesn't increase player productivity, Roger Goodell still has a ban on it in the NFL. I'm not saying I'm in favor of marijuana use, but it certainly has medical benefits. And the only reason Roger Goodell is not allowing it, along with prescription painkillers, is because it doesn't get guys on the field. It doesn't make them active. And when they're not active, they're not productive, they're not on the field, they're not making you money. If Oliver Luck wants the XFL to succeed, he needs to get rid of an overly broad ban like that. Then you might have players jumping ship from the NFL to the XFL. You start getting some varsity guys to play at the JV level. Then think about what that does for your league. I'm not advocating for this. I'm not even saying it needs to happen or Oliver Luck should. But can you deny that if Oliver Luck does let this happen, the XFL has a much better chance of survival. They can make themselves different from the NFL in any way they want. Gameplay, roster, cities, what have you. None of it's going to matter because it's always going to be the B version to the NFL. It's always going to be watered down football. This would be the most impactful way to differentiate yourself from the NFL. The NFL's banned substance policy that's extremely unpopular among active players. Think maybe some of them jump ship, go to the XFL? You can play the gimmick role all you want. You can get the Veek family, but your product is going to mean everything. Should the NFL allow prescription painkillers and medical marijuana? That's up to you. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I just want you to think, and I'm going to help you think. Roger Goodell is anti-marijuana, anti-painkillers, under the guise of morality, but because he wants guys on the field. He wants them making money. And I know that you know, if prescription medication or medical marijuana helped guys get on the field and be productive, the NFL would legalize it immediately. They would take away their policy banning such things. Well, I tell you what, before we sign off, don't forget, we will have basketball here on ESPN-UP tonight. Game 5 between the Raptors and Bucks. tip-off set for 8.30, pregame coverage at 8 here on ESPN-UP. MLB scoreboard for today, we've got a bunch that have already gone final. The Mets beat Washington 6-4, the Yankees 6-5 over the Orioles, Pirates 14-6 winners over Colorado, the Red Sox beat the Blue Jays 8-2, Marlins sweep the Tigers 5-2, Tigers have now dropped 9 straight, they are 11 under 500. Still to come this evening, 6-10 start for the Rays and Indians. Ryan Yarborough against Adam Plutko. And at 8-10, the White Sox visit the Astros. Lucas Giolito's been pitching very well lately. He's opposed by Corbin Martin. That is going to do it for this episode of the Sports Pen. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. We are back on tomorrow, same time and same place. It's my hope that you join me. And if you missed any part of the show, you can check it out on demand with our free mobile app. Get it from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Signing off from the ESPN UPWZAM studios, my name's Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen. <laughs> <laughs>